<laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning. And um, I, I can remember coming back or coming here for the first time and walking through the buildings with your pastor. And when this was very much a vision on his heart, very grateful for Pastor Byron and grateful for the vision that God's put on his heart. And I received a text message from him early this morning before we even began the early service. And he was just encouraging me, and I just wanted to encourage him back. I said, Pastor, you need to take some time, rest in the Lord, take some time, and, and that way you're ready because you have many years of leadership here left in this church. It's just beginning here at Redemption, isn't it? Amen? So things are just starting here. And I'm grateful because I remember when we first walked through the building, the, uh, it was over in what you call, I think, your green room or welcome room over there. And he was pointing out what was going to take place. And it was dusty. And it was, just, it was really just a mess, all, the, all this building was. And uh, he was casting a vision for that. And I was excited because you love to hear what God is doing uh, in, in his work, uh, not just in the church where you serve and pastor. I've been there 26 years. And uh, any of y'all from Groves? Any of y'all? Uh, anybody out there? A few of y'all. Got a, got a couple folks from Groves, right? Fort Nations, Mid-County area. Okay. So, but, um, you know, I've been there 26 years and very grateful to have served there for that, that many years. Uh, but there's always that beginning and that work that starts. And Pastor Byron has been faithful for that. I want us to take some time this morning and pray for him. God has raised him up to be your pastor. And I'm extremely grateful for that. I know uh, several of y'all here. And, uh, but he's the one initially who was sensing God's call back to the area and then to begin this work uh, called redemption. And our earliest meetings were, you were, I mean, you were just a part of the vision. Your faces were really not even there yet, but you're here today, amen? And uh, God's brought you to this place, and I'm very grateful to be a part of it because of what the Lord is doing here. It not only um, is a blessing to you, but I want you to know other churches are blessed by the fact that you're here. And so I'll be able to go back to our church and say, listen, this is what God is doing. I've heard you baptize like 200 plus people here, amen? You know? Wow. How many of y'all been baptized in the last couple of years here? Your baptism was here. Wow. Number of hands. Praise God. I mean, so that's wonderful. And so a lot of good things have begun here. He's not through with that. We're going to be talking about uh, some of those things as we move through Joshua chapter 3. But let's pay, let's pray for Pastor Byron right now, okay? Father, we just thank you so much for this chance to come and to worship you. And, Lord, we lift up Pastor Byron to you and his family. Lord, just that he can love on his wife and, and his kids and just spend some time. Give them rest. Give them strength. Renew their faith. Renew, God, the vision that you have placed upon his heart. I'm so grateful for his friendship, grateful for the heart that he has toward you and the heart that he has for his people. Lord God, the people that you have brought here, they're your people. Lord, and you have called Pastor Byron as you've called me and many other pastors to shepherd your people well and to love them and to care for them. And I just pray for him now. God, we, he gives and he gives and he gives. And so we ask God that you would impart to him strength and wisdom and courage and all that is necessary for the days ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Pastor Byron called it a, really a life's message because for many years in the course of my ministry, the first Sunday that I came and actually pastored, it was an established church, 
uh, there at First Baptist, but when the first Sunday that I attended and I and, and preached the word was from Joshua 3. And so year by year, I go back to Joshua chapter 3, and I look at it because it, it really stirs my heart for what God is doing, not just in what he has done, but what he's doing in the present. And so Joshua 3 is a tremendous passage because it speaks of God's people and how he worked with them and how he moved them. And, and certainly they were given this opportunity. And here we find them uh, being encouraged to be of str- uh, great strength and of courage to take the next step of faith that they're going to be required to take. And yet here they're pitched, their tents are pitched by the thousands. They've gathered there just about uh, really gathered with, with thousands of their families, gathering themselves, looking at a river that seems formidable at least, that seems insurmountable, wondering what their future looks like given the fact that their past has been largely a failure, right? I mean, they're, they're, I say largely a failure because of their disobedience toward God and because of certain decisions that they've made, it produced these consequences in their life. And can there be a future when your past has been such, you know, has been such a failure, really, you might want to say? And, and here they're faced with all of these emotions. We're going to do what? We're going to cross this river. And the scripture talks about these moments of breakthrough that takes place in God's people's lives here in Joshua 3. And so let's pick up the story there in verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they were moved from Shittim, and they came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host of the people. So the officers, the leaders, you might want to say the leaders, were given a word from Joshua, a word that had come to Joshua from the Lord. And the Bible says that they came and they lodged there. It's translated from the Hebrew word loom. And uh, I know it's got an interesting twist uh, in sound to it, but they lodged there. They loomed there. And they contemplated. The idea was that they, they didn't just sit there, but they began to contemplate and think through what was about to happen next in their life. These were critical times in the life of God's people critical times in moms and dads' lives and children's lives because what they decided on that day, on that occasion, was going to affect them and define them for the generations to come. The decisions that they would make, contemplating what the Lord was doing and attempting to do in their midst, their decision in this moment was going to, well, it was going to follow them for a long time. And they needed to really think this thing through. And the scripture says that when the leaders or the officers went through the the host of the people, they commanded the people saying, verse 3, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And so these are instructions that they're being given. We got to work through some of this to understand sort of the significance of the moment. They're saying, hey, listen, you're going to see the ark, the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was significant because in in literary terms, it's the central thing that actually uh, a symbol of what is happening in Joshua chapter three. But it's also this critical moment. They have to keep their eye on the ark of the covenant. And, and they have to keep an eye on it because it, it, it symbolized and represented the very presence of God. When it moved, they were supposed to move. 
And they were not supposed to move a moment sooner, but they were to move with it, and they were to follow it. In practical terms, there was this distance that was going to be between them and the Ark of the Covenant so that they could see it, but also because you just don't approach the Ark of the Covenant on your own terms. You approach the Ark of the Covenant with a sense of God's presence and understanding because it spoke of God's presence in the midst of his people. And in many ways, the Ark of the Covenant, it foreshadowed the coming of Christ. God with us, Emmanuel. You don't just, you know, it is not that we just get to approach God any way that we want, but that God has come down and dwelt among us, that he's in, he's in our presence, that he's made himself known. And so they're told to follow the Ark of the Covenant, and there's supposed to be this space between them and it, verse 4, about 2,000 cubits. It's about 3,000 feet, okay? It's a little, over a, uh, a little over a half mile in distance. And so how could they even see it? Well, when the Ark of the Covenant rose on the, on the shoulders of the priest, the, the host of the people were to rise up together and to move. Can you, this isn't just, you know, three or 400 people. This is hundreds of thousands of people. And so they can't get ahead of it. They're to follow behind it, and they're to do so in a certain way because he's telling them, this is a way you've never been before. Now, their ancestors had come to an opportune moment about 40 years earlier, and they had denied their opportunity. I don't know if you know the story in Numbers chapter 13. It's sort of the backstory You might want to read a little bit later on. But the generation before them had been given an opportunity to enter the land, but they had refused to enter into the land. They had sent spies out in the land. Moses did, sent the spies into the land, and they were supposed to come back with a report. This was a land flowing with milk and honey. This was this land of blessing. This was the place that God had made for them. It was a part of his covenant. And yet they refused to enter in to the land because of the giants in the land. And as a result of that, they wandered around for 40 years. They missed the opportunity that God had given them, and as a result, they wandered around for 40 years, and a whole new generation is emerging and has come on the scene to now have this opportunity to enter the land once again. But the generation before them, listen up, generation, if you represent that generation, right, the generation that came before, they were disobedient to God. And they had missed the opportunity. But this generation, this generation had a chance to walk in faith and walk in step with what God was trying to do. And they chose to do it. Then they had never been this way before. It's not like they had vast experience. I mean, they heard the story of how God had split open the Red Sea and made it clear for his people to leave 400 years of Egyptian bondage and to, and to enter into the land. They, they had heard that story. It had been told to them. In fact, anytime you see in the Psalms a recounting or in the Chronicles a recounting of God's people of old, the story of the Exodus is always there because it's a defining moment in the legacy of the people, it's a defining moment in their life that's supposed to serve them. And until you have your own defining moments and times with the Lord that define you and your generation, there's always the prior generation's legacy. It helps to serve us today. These stories we read to inspire us today. And this story that they have, they've never been this way before, he tells them in verse 4. 
He says, you, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. So the first thing I want to say is this, and I'm going to speak to you about breakthrough. Four ideas that I want to give you as we walk through this message this morning. The, the first idea of breakthrough is that you have to hear God's voice. You have to hear his voice. You got to know this is coming from him. You, you got to know that the revelation that he's giving you is from his word and that anything you're receiving from him corresponds to what God has already said. God's not going to say something today that's in contradiction to who he's always been. He never does. And, and anytime someone would, would speaks to you about what God is saying, if it is contrary to who he has been and he's always been, then there's something wrong with it. Okay. And this is how you know if it's a vision from God or if it's just something being led by man. So God's word is always fundamentally, foundationally the truth by which we must stand. And we stand on it even if we come to a place and we realize, I've never been here before. Never done this. This is brand new. This thing is new. I, I've never, my family's never done this before. Maybe this whole Christian walk, some of you, you raised your hand, a bunch of you did actually. Wow, praise God too. And you just, you know, you were baptized. Maybe it's your baptism. Maybe your salvation has been in the last several months. And this whole thing is brand spanking new to you. I mean, this is like, what do I do? How do I leave my family? This is what I knew. I knew as a new Christian that what I wanted for my family, my wife's with us in this second service. I wanted for my wife, my family, for my children, something that I did not get as a kid. I grew up religious, but I did not have a relationship with Jesus. And this thing was brand spanking new to me. But I'm grateful for the mentors, grateful for the people who invested in my life. And I wanted something for my family. I wanted something for my family that was, that was different than what I had ever known. I wanted a legacy. I wanted something lasting. I wanted my children to walk with the Lord. And I won't, I won't know absolutely until see how I see them raise my grandchildren. I'm a grandfather, okay? I may be one of the oldest people here this morning. I don't know. What's going on with this? I'm sort of young in my church. <laughs> oh, we got people of all ages. But, I mean, I, 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 wanted, I wanted something in my family that I had not seen before. But I've began to see it in other people's lives. I began to see what God was doing in other people's lives and began to read God's word and understand what he was doing and began to understand that Jesus was taking me to a place that I had never been before. You want to be a good father? You want to be a good husband? You want to, you want to, you want to leave a legacy for your family? Then love Jesus, love your wife, love your children, disciple them, teach them to follow after Jesus. And if they don't, I mean, you know, just keep challenging them. Keep praying for them. Keep believing for them. Keep believing that. Joshua and Caleb were the two who believed it. Forty years earlier, they were ready to go into the land. And now Joshua is getting the opportunity. But he had, to, he, had to, he had to maintain the vision. After he had heard God's voice, he had to maintain this vision for a long time before it happened. For a long time. When your pastor first moved here, he wasn't Pastor Byron. He was Byron Ellis. He wasn't pastoring anything. And he was just working, you know, doing, you know, just had a job. And I think at that time he was a waiter. And, and uh, I appreciated his heart because, you know, one of the things he did, he came and he sat. And I know he met with many pastors in the area. And, you know, giving, giving birth to something is not easy. Now, you ladies know this, right? It, it's not easy. 
And this was in his heart. There was a stirring in his heart. And he would sit with pastors and he would sit with others and just seek counsel. And at least a year, that's all he did. That's all he did was, was just sit with the Lord and, and, and seek God's face. And before you were ever someone he probably knew, for most of you anyways, he was praying and believing God was going to do something at this location, believing in Beaumont. In fact, he had a vision for downtown Beaumont. Now, I just don't, I, I want to be careful what I say here, but I will tell you that there's a lot of churches that left the city. They left the downtown area. And they just followed the people, wherever the people were moving, as opposed to, let's go reach people. And, 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 and my heart was always that, hey, what's going on? Even though I'm in Groves, what, what's going on in, you know, downtown Beaumont? And he was one of the first pastors who said, I have a vision to start a church. And, and about the time we would talk about where and the location, he was always set on it being downtown. He's always set on it. I know there's nothing magical about the location, but, but even when, when you would hear him think through and pray through and talk through, he'd say, well, well, what about this and that? And an opportunity might present itself somewhere else. He would say, no, I, I just feel like that's pulling us away from where we need to be. And, and just that vision, you got to hear God's voice. you got to sense God's calling in your life. If you want a breakthrough in your life, you've got to hear his voice, and you've got to recognize he's going to take you to places that are going to be very different and take you through a process sometimes that's very different than the process you might be accustomed to. So you've got to hear God's voice. And uh, you, you've got you to hear God's voice in the midst of, of a lot of different voices, facing a, a thousand fears. You've got to be able to hear God's voice. When there's a lot of insecurities, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of things that you're not quite sure about, but the one thing you're sure about is it's his voice. It's his voice. So hearing God's voice is the first step to a breakthrough in your life. And it's critical because unless you have his direction, well, then you're, you're flailing. You're, you're on your own. Let's move along in verse 5 because he says, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The second thing you have to do if you want to experience a breakthrough in your life is you have to conform to God's ways. And, and he's not making an exception. It's not like you get like a special provision to do your thing and, and you, you know, you do his thing. We are being enrolled. We, we are being called to serve the one true and living God. He is the one, ultimately, that our allegiance is to, right? Amen? And, and, and he's the one that we give our heart to. And so he, he's given them specific instructions. I love this passage of Scripture because he says, uh, he says to the people, sanctify yourself because the Lord is going to do wonders among you. So you're going to have to get yourself ready for this moment. You have to prepare yourself. This moment may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. This is it. You know, we talk about God's grace. Is it, you know, certainly God's grace and his mercy and his love, they, they are enduring things, right? But when God extends to you an opportunity and you reject it, what is he supposed to do when you reject it? He says, sanctify yourself. Get yourself in the spiritual frame of mind 
Set yourself apart. Literally, that's what that word means. Set yourself apart. Separate yourself from a world that is trying to dictate to you who you are. This is why so many of us struggle with who we are, our self-esteem, all these perceptions about ourselves, because we're constantly being force-fed by a world that's telling us that this is who we are when the Word of God tells us something different. I mean, you know, come on. This is God's word. It tells us we're a child of the king. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know something? Maybe you came from a family that you, you say, well, I don't know about this family. Romans 8 says you are a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You're a, you are adopted into his family. And so God brings us together, and he calls us to set our lives apart for this purpose that he has for us. This purpose, which is critical. But you have to get yourself ready for it, right? You, you have to be ready for the moment. Is redemption ready for this moment? Amen. You know, this past week, I understand all this property was bought and is now redemption's property. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's a done deal. And the work ahead of you and the labor of love and the things, you have to believe that this place is going to get larger because you're going to reach people for Jesus. That's what's going to happen. But you have to have that posture. I love the fact that from the very beginning of the service that you're being encouraged to go out and invite somebody to Jesus. Listen, that's what we need. The church today, the church I pastor, churches today in America need to understand. If we're not here to tell people about Jesus, I don't know why we're here then. Because that's truly what it's about. It's to let people know about Jesus. Back in the day, and it was a few years ago, I played football in high school, played safety. And uh, I don't know, I wasn't all that good, but I played, okay? I would, I, it, you know, I did. But I know one of the things that we did, our coaches always did with us, is they got us ready before the football game. And uh, usually several hours, right? You didn't really do a whole lot. You know, you got focused. You tried to imagine all the things that you're going to be doing that night, maybe even catching a, you know, an interception and running it back for a touchdown. That didn't happen often. But anyways, you imagine it to be, and you think it through, and you just prepared yourself. You got there. If you've played sports, you know what I'm talking about. No matter what it is, you have to get yourself there in a frame of mind so that when it happens, you see it happen. You, you, you are there. You're ready for it. It's not that God isn't working. The, the fact is, is that God's at work. He's not waiting for you to show up. But if you will prepare yourself and you will sit at the edge of your seat and say, Lord, I believe God's going to do something, then you will be amazed at what you see God do. And it's, and it's not simply because you believe that God's going to do something. He's, he's going to invite us to participate in what he's already planning. And I just want to be a participant in it. I want to be on the front row. I want to be on the edge of my seat. I want to be there. That's why I'm glad to be here at Redemption. Because God's doing something here. And I can go back and share this with our church and celebrate. Just know that your story is being told in ways across the area. Your pastor shares those stories. He, he would love and joy and, and, and excitement and all those things. The stories are being told. I just get to share a few of those myself. Too bad I, say, I, I was there. I was with them. I see what God's doing at Redemption Church. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that about your own life. Can I share that with you as well? 
If you want a breakthrough in your life, not only do you need to hear God's voice, but you have to conform to God's ways. And God's at, he is calling you. He is sanctifying your life. He's separating you. He's, he's preparing you for some things that if you're prepared for, you will have an expectation for, and you will see happen. And that preparation is essential. So you posture yourself before the Lord. You have a prayer team. They pray before the service. They prayed for your worship team. They prayed for me. They prayed for you as you walked in. You had a welcome team out there. I thought, hey, this is the best welcome team I think I've ever seen. Some of y'all, I mean, you're just out there going crazy for Jesus, right? I mean, you're out there thinking, whoa, what's going on? These people are really excited about me being here. They don't even really know I'm the speaker yet. Wait until I tell them that. Maybe, the, you know. And, and uh, so, what, who are you? <laughs> well, I'm supposed to be speaking today. Well, that's great. We're glad you're here. It's like, whoa, man, I'm fired up now. I'm not even preaching yet. But, I mean, you talk about. But I mean, really, don't underestimate the power of expectation. You as a team, really, I do mean that. So we're going back to First Baptist Groves. You have to come check us out, right? And, and see if, it, you know, but those are the things. You expect something to happen here. And let me tell you, you can expect that to happen in your own life. You can expect that to happen in your own life. So you've got to hear God's voice. You have to conform to, to, to God's ways, you have, to, you have to know that he's going to be doing some things in your life. He's going to do wonderful things, wondrous things. He's going to do God-sized kind of things, things that when you go to explain them uh, in the context of your church, but when you go to explain them, especially when you read the real larger storyline here by Joshua chapter 4, I mean, they're taking these stones out at, 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 you know, at the natural park that they build at Gilgal, and they're building, they're, they're building this park so it will be a commemoration to their children so that the generations to come will sit and they will tell the story, and the stories will go something like, you remember when God did that? You remember when God brought us up to the river? I mean, hey, I was fearful of it. You know, an honest father's going to say, hey, son, you know, I was really fearful. We got to the river. You know, Joshua said that he heard from God that we were going to come to the river and that, we were, that the priests were going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the moment their feet touched the water, that all of a sudden the water was going to roll back. And, man, some big things were going to happen. But listen, I'm going to be honest with you, son. I followed, and I didn't know. I kept believing, but I didn't know. I had uncertainties. I had some insecurities. I, I was fearful of it, but boom, it happened. Amen. It happened. So I was there. I saw it. I saw it happen. And son, I'm telling you this, not so that you can know what history tells us about God, but so that you will know what the present reality can teach you about God as well in your own life. He can open up the river for you as well as he can for our generation as well. There's a lot going on in this story. There's, there, there's a lot going on in this story. And so you, you have to conform to God's ways, and he may take you to places that, that you're unsure of today, but keep following, keep being faithful to that. I love what the, what the psalmist talks about. You might want to go back. I'm not going to read it in this, in, in, this, in, this, uh, in, in, in this service, but in Psalm 78, where they're celebrating the works of the Lord, teaching them from generation to generation, one of the things that happened was they forgot the works of the Lord. Now, if you saw something like the Red Sea, splitting wide open, or the River of Jordan, and this was a miracle, okay? This, this wasn't some, you know, natural disaster that took place that caused the water to, you know, to roll back to the north and to the south. This was a miracle that happened because of the precise timing in which it occurred. And if you saw something that, like that happen and you forgot about it, I mean, we would be 
concerned about, really, you forgot about something that momentous? I mean, that doesn't happen every day, does it? I mean, that, it's not like they had an engineering team. And the engineering team devised a, a plan, a bridge to go over this water, the waters which were overflowing at its banks at this time of year. It's not like they had a team that devised some, you know, okay, if we build this bridge, we can get across there. No, nobody was thinking about that. This wasn't, this wasn't an engineering feat. This wasn't a military feat. This was God showing up doing scale level, the things that he does on a scale that only he can do, wondrous things, wondrous things. And that's what, from the beginning in which he encountered you in your salvation, he began to do wonderful things that nobody could have done for you other than him. And because he began that in you, he's going to be faithful to complete that in you as well. So you have to conform to God's ways because you know that if you set yourself apart from him, uh, for him, that he's going to do these things. You just have to believe it in faith that he is going to do this in your life. But then thirdly, you got to walk in God's covenant. You got to walk in God's covenant. Because in, in verse, let's continue to read the story in verse 6. And Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, come and hear the words of Adonai Elohim. Hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you all of these people, seven different nations, by the way, all of these people, Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you in Jordan. So he's given them these instructions. He hears a word from God just as a matter of not being self-serving. Joshua hears this word from God. He tells the people what's about to happen, but he doesn't tell them this. He doesn't say, he knows this. He knows that the Lord is going to take his leadership and he's going to, he, he's going to, galvanize his leadership in the midst of his people because that's what needs to happen, right? It needs to happen, but it's not because Joshua is trying to be self-serving. But the Lord knows that another leader has emerged, and this leader is Joshua, and he's raising Joshua up. And he doesn't tell the people that as a result of this, this is why this is going to happen as well. But let me just say this, and I, and I want to I, I be as transparent as possible about this. It, 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 I'm not your pastor, okay? So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out of here in what, I don't know, in about three hours when I finish this message. And, and uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Man, 15 or so minutes, but anyways, I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to go pastor First Baptist Groves, and you can say, good, I'm glad this guy's out of here. That's right, but the Lord has a pastor that he has brought to you, and his name is Byron Ellis, and he's galvanizing his leadership here. It doesn't mean your pastor is perfect, but he is that, that song that we were singing about being innocent, the same blood that has covered your sin covers his too. The, 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 same, the, the same blood that, that has accomplished all that is necessary in your life has done the same for him. And he needs your love and support. And ultimately, he's going to only point to, to your absolute allegiance to Jesus, right? And God is raising him up. How many of you really? I mean, some of y'all have been here in the beginning. 
But how many of you really believed that this, this city block was going to be purchased? I mean, did you even think about it? It's a good thing somebody was believing until you got here. And now you're going to believe until others get here. And that's the way it's going to work. And that's how God uses a pastor like your pastor, like other pastors. My son is a church planner as well in Richardson, Texas. And they don't even have a permanent facility. I mean, at least y'all have something like this. They, they have moved from places. They don't own anything. It's a fortune to own something in Richardson, Texas, you know. But it's, I mean, to be a church planner, I meet with church planners. I'm with church planners. I know what these guys and, and, and their families and everything, they, they think about you. They, they consider you. There's hardly a moment in which they're not thinking about you. That's just true. And, and it's, it's a burden, but it's a great joy. It's a great joy as well. And God is establishing Joshua's leadership. That's what he's going to do through this. I hope you're seeing that as well. And I hope that as you build out your leadership team and those of you who are serving in leadership, that you understand that how you walk with Jesus, other people are following you. And so if you don't sanctify yourself, leaders... If, you don't, if you're not set apart for the things of God, trust me, other people are going to follow you wherever you go, and it may be detrimental, or it could be for the glory of God, and you better make it for the glory of God Amen. as a leader. Because we, Hebrews 13 says that we, pastors, are going to be held accountable to the Lord for what we have done and said. I mean, one day we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for how we preached God's word, how we led, how we loved, how we, what we did. Did we teach people about Jesus or did we just inflate our own ego? Whatever the case may be, we will give an account to the Lord for those things. God was establishing his leadership. He was calling them to conform his ways, but he wanted them to walk in this covenant. Because he is the Lord God, and he wanted them to see this very clearly, that he is the Lord God over all the earth is the phrase that is used there. It's actually used two different times. But this is important for them to see. He is a covenant-making God. He is Lord Adonai. He is the one who created Elohim. He created all the world. And the God who created the whole world has made a covenant with his people. And this covenant relationship, this, this, this covenant that he's established, he's invited us into the covenant to participate in it, to respond to it, to enjoy it, to understand that he is, he is no tribal deity. He knows no borders. He is the one true and living God. Know this way. Know the will of the Father. Know the witness of, of God in his, in his covenant. These three things you can know, he says in these verses. Know these things that he's calling us to, that he's calling you to. And so we have to walk in God's covenant relationship and, and understand that he's calling us to this, that we need to faith a new way in life for some of us. We need to faith a new way. And we need to continue to walk in that. But then finally, we get to really the this, this story as it concludes itself in, in chapter 3. In verse 14, he says, and it came to pass, which is a great phrase. You had to underline. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan. And the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they bore the Ark, were come unto the Jordan. And the feet of the priests that bore the Ark were dipped into the brim of water for Jordan overflows all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam. 
That is beside Zaraton, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, which is the dead sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. It happened. It happened. It's not like God said it's going to happen, and then, and it did. And it did. And God got there before them. Sometimes we think that that somehow we get there and that God shows up later. No, God got there to the river before they got there. He made a way for them in advance. All of these things he did. And so if you're going to have a breakthrough when it comes, and it's coming, and for some of you it already has happened, when it happens, you you have to celebrate God's victory. There's a moment in time in which you say, Lord, look what the Lord has done. It's a moment in time when you stop telling your children, well, you know, I'm not really sure, son, anymore. It's like, son, it's happening. This has happened just like the Lord said it would happen. You got to celebrate that. You got to share that victory. You got you to take in that moment and realize as they looked across that river, this isn't some little river. I mean, we're talking about this thing is overflowing. They're going to navigate through this thing. How's this going to happen? And when it does, you celebrate it. You celebrate the victory. That's what you do. You take in the moment and you say, Lord, we worship you because you've made good on your word. We worship you because you are faithful to us. We worship you because what you said is true. 